You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome, everyone. I am Johnny Christ, and this is the Drinks with Johnny podcast. Thank you guys for being here, checking us out. Um, I'm super excited to show you guys this chat I had a few months ago with Mickey D of Motorhead. Uh, Man, such a fucking rad dude and such a rad chat. Um, Really excited for you guys to listen to this one. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, We get into Scorpions and everything else that he's doing now. Uh, The Motorhead whiskey that is out from uh, was it Hill Rock? Um, it's a very good whiskey. You should check it out. Um, but uh, before you do, check out this episode, <laughs> and I'll fill you in on some more drinks of Johnny shit at the end. But without further ado, I bring you my chat with Mickey D. What's up, everybody? I'm Johnny Christ, and this is Drinks with Johnny. Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you hit that subscribe button, turn on your notifications. I'm really excited. I'm joined by a legendary drummer of Motorhead, Mickey D. How the fuck are you today? I am very good, thank you. Just got home and uh, yeah, I was stuck in traffic, so we're a little late on it, but here we are. Here we are. I'm, I'm all good. Yeah. So let so let's get let's get into some stuff. Like I, I know you've been a, uh, of course, of Motorhead, and that and we're gonna get into your whiskey here in a second. But I really wanted to talk to you. Like the you're playing with the Scorpions now, right? Yes, that's. Uh, that's incredible. I mean, five years. <laughs> wow. Time's been flying, you know. Yeah, that's. If you asked me, I'd say two years, but it's five years. Wow. And how uh, how did that? Uh, how did you guys meet? How did, how did you uh, become the the new drummer of uh, Scorpions? Well, we knew each other since many years back. Uh, you know, we crossed paths, festivals, shows. You know, we always. Uh, Knew each other, of course. Uh, unfortunately, we never toured together. Uh, not when I was in the band uh, and uh, with Motorhead. And uh, I was over in LA uh, putting Lemmy to rest at his ceremony business. on the funeral. And uh, and I got home and got a call, and they had a, a little bit of problems with James and asked me if I could step in as a as a kind of a safety mm-hmm. deal in case it didn't work out. But it did work out. 
uh, and uh, he he played very great, you know. So, and then later it got into that they uh, they wanted to keep me. So oh, that's awesome. So uh, do you guys do you guys have any shows, uh, any of those festivals happening back in Europe and uh, with the Scorpions? Or what's going on with them now? Not that I know of, uh, because of the Corona situation. You know, uh, I know just a month ago, or one or two months ago, it was it was uh, fairly bad here in Europe. Now restrictions start open up, same as in U.S. What I understand, you know. Yeah, so, we're we're, we're but, fairly open now. Yeah. So I mean, but it's impossible to 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 guess this shit. You know, it, it's. Uh, it's very unfortunate, unfortunate, but you know because when we when we're gonna go out, it's it's like a big machine going out. It's it's a lot of planning, so we we can't just top of a button hit the road. So yeah, uh, we'll we're just waiting right now for for things to stabilize and and maybe you know start booking us. I don't know. Yeah. Well, speaking of touring, and uh, you mentioned a couple of festivals, one of my favorite ones out in Europe for big metal is uh, the Rock and Ring and Rock and Park. What are some of your favorite memories of playing Rock and Ring and Rock and Park? They're both great festivals and always good, good bands on there. You know, uh, great, great quality festival in Germany. Same as Wacken, you know. Yeah. And. and yeah, there's a few really good metal festivals. Germany is good at festivals. So, so but Rock and Ring, Rock and Park, Rock and Ring is much much bigger than the park. Mm-hmm. Uh, but everything is well organized. Great acts on the bill, you know. And yeah, so I, 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 I really I, like it. One of the times I was on Rock and Ring, I met uh, Billy Idol. And uh, it was, I, I can't remember if it was Rock and Ring and Rock and Park. I get the two mixed up. The one that's on the, on the racetracks. Because so I went out and jogged on the racetracks uh, be, before and then came back and we played a show. And then, long story long, I was sitting there uh, meeting Billy Idol. And uh, after he was done, there was a, we played a game of pool. Remember, the, they have the pool table back there. Did you, play, right. did you have anybody that you played pool with back there? Well, I wanted to play with Lemmy and Phil, but they never let me because I sucked. <laughs> they didn't enjoy me playing it. I asked several times, hey, come on, let's play uh, some pool. No, not with you. And they just walked off. <laughs> well, well, were you I trying to play in... a gentleman's game of nine or like like eight ball? Nah, I, I, I never really liked playing pool that much and <laughs> I beat I, I beat him at everything else but not pool, not pool. Oh, that was the other thing no. got you <laughs> well no, let's, let's just... get into this so we got Hill Rock right here you you yeah there we go gentlemenly thank you so much for sending me this we got uh the the big case in the back there I don't know if you can see it on your end um I'll but, see it yeah 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 um can you tell me a little bit about this whiskey it says it's 57 percent alcohol uh, can it's you tell a pretty me about strong this? one. Uh, well, it's um, it's a great quality whiskey for sure, and it's a very limited edition, what I understand. Mm-hmm. But uh, this this has been targeted for U.S. basically. Uh, so I'm not the best guy to to go through the the procedure with this whiskey. Uh, def- I was fairly surprised myself 
but I know that we wanted to make uh, a great whiskey again because the whiskey we had have been selling, that's finished now. Okay. The single malt. Yeah. There, there is no more on that one. Uh, and this one is a real class act, I'll tell you. Well, I'm, I'm sniffing. If there's, do, you, do you have anything to drink right there? Or are you, are you, are you, you're good to go. I'm good. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and pour it in uh, and uh, let you know what I think about it. Right. Um, while I'm doing that, though, I wanted to ask. Um, so you guys in Motorhead, Ace of Spades did uh, uh, the game. Triple H, you guys played him in a couple of times in in wrestling. Are you a wrestling fan, or was it, is it just Triple H, and that was that was a thing for you? No, I mean, I'm into a lot of sports. Mm-hmm. I've been doing sports all my life, and uh, Phil and Lem was not really into to that much sports. They didn't practice a lot of sports, obviously, but but. Uh, with this wrestling thing coming around, me and Phil immediately realized what it was. Of course, you know I I knew all about it. Mm-hmm. I watched it some sometimes. I, I have to say I never went to any SmackDowns or anything. But when it was on television, I was watching it, and you knew all the characters if you call them characters. But yeah, all the name, you know, everything from Hulk Hogan's days, you know. Then so. Um, because us Europeans, we don't have this wrestling deal in Europe at all. Uh, I don't say it's not popular because it is very popular or became very popular. But at, the, at that time, it's uh, kind of fake wrestling, people said, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, it's so fake. But I tell you what, we sat next to these guys several times, ringside and backstage. And... They are tough, tough, oh, yeah. athletic guys. I mean, they're being stitched up in the back and they're back out on the floor, and they are so athletic. Uh, so they high, high, high sportsmen, you know, definitely. So you you, you talk about how the guys are tough and and everything like that. I mean, obviously, they are. I'm good friends with a lot of wrestlers now. Like I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan. Um, Right. Do you have anything uh, from Triple H specifically? Like when, when you were when you guys were playing him in, like what, what what was that like for you? Well, you know, we didn't really know that scene mm-hmm. much before. Obviously, we got into it, but Lemmy and Triple and myself and Phil, we became super super good friends right away. Awesome. And especially Lemmy and Triple H, he's such a nice guy and such a, a really nice man you know easy to love and everybody on the on the on the tour treated us like rock stars well you are by the way <laughs> in case you didn't know <laughs> uh, no but they they were really treating us fantastic when we came out and they were all like, wow, you know, we're so jealous. Triple has this song. And, you know, we played live on WrestleMania mm-hmm. 17 and then 21, I believe it was. And it's not too too many bands that done that. No, I know but, Kiss, I guess, Aerosmith, or there's a few bands. Like but. you said, there's just a handful, and you guys are one of them. Um, I don't know if you remember, um, or you probably wouldn't, uh, but we did – 
a festival together in Japan. Uh, I remember because I was warming up and you guys were playing. Uh, what was it? What, what are those called? Like sound, sound something. Was, um, was it loud, loud park or no? It might have been loud park. It was probably in like 2015. I want to say. Fiji Rock. So 2015. Maybe it was Sonosphere. I don't remember. It was one of those. Was Foo Fighters on there as well? I don't recall. <laughs> It'd be better if it, I knew what I was talking about before I asked you, right? <laughs> well, the last last show we did there, I believe, was Foo Fighters were headlining. Oh, you know what? Headline? Yeah, yeah. That that was. I, I believe it was that one. Yeah. And I believe that was like Fiji Rock or something. Yes. Up in the mountains a bit. Okay. It was a. Uh, it was a great. I had my family with me on that tour as well, so uh, my two boys and, and my girls. So we had a great time in Japan. But that was the last time we were there as Motorhead. That's, that, that's well. You just mentioned your your two boys and your girl. How old are they? Well, now Max, the oldest, he's he's going to be twenty five, the twenty fourth of May, and Marcus, he's going to be nineteen in July thirty first. So. They grown up now, you know. Yeah. Oh, July thirty first. That's uh, Sinister Gates, our, our lead guitarist's birthday. No, wait, wait. Thirty first. Oh, I'm cool. sorry. That's Matt's birthday. <laughs> you oh, July. Think I remember shit like this, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. So I'm smelling this right now. It's, it it smells like a really good bourbon. It is. That's nice. It's very very smooth. Yeah, and you can really taste the quality in that. Absolutely, definitely. No, that, that's, a, that's some... a really nice. Where where, where can and everyone? I, do you know where anyone can find uh, the Hill Rock stuff? I believe it's on online now. Mm-hmm. I really, really don't know too much about it, so I was surprised that I was going to actually do uh, do this pod deal with you, but because I got sent one of these packages as well and i know that i know what we're doing mm-hmm. but i i had no idea with the final product and and uh how everything was turning out because some of these drinks and stuff that we have uh take forever mm-hmm. to get cleared and it's a lot of red tape and a lot of testing out and so suddenly it's there <laughs> that's awesome and so, you know that was that was it, it's funny because a lot of fans they, they go oh man you're just milking money of Lemmy and the old motorhead and stuff and, and I, I can get really pissed off about that because Lemmy's the guy that has actually worked for this mm-hmm. we are just keeping it alive yeah he wanted a bourbon on, on the shelf as long as I can remember and uh, the wine and the, the beers and the, all, all the drinks that we actually do have has been carefully tested and approved by us. And we've been adding some, taking some off and it's been going back and forth uh, until we have been satisfied and the rum has gone through the roof you know it's what's one of the, the what's the rum called i i i'm not familiar it, it's a it's a dark rum and uh it's one of the best 
in the whole world now. We we won several of the big competitions, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, gold medals, silver medals. So it's a really, really good one. I don't think you have it in the U.S. yet, but uh, it's sold over 250,000 bottles already. So, so I'll come to your house and find it, right? I'll just, I'll just knock on the door. I, I have it. <laughs> but, but my whole point is stuff like this is something that we've been working on for years and years and years, and especially bourbon. As you know, Lemmy was a huge bourbon mm-hmm. lover. So, you know, sometimes I, I can't just shut up. I, I just go, hey, if you were a real fan, you would have known that this is what, what, what Lemmy has worked on his whole life, really. He wanted this to uh, to uh, be uh, a reality, you know? Yeah. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday. Well, that, 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 I, I'm not one of those that, that, that talk that way. I lost, uh, we lost our drummer in 2009. Um, and it, and it's hard. A lot of people, they'll, they'll always have ideas of what it could be. And, you know, you see the comments and it's just, you, you can't do anything about it. No, you can't do that. And, and, you know, it's, uh, we are not trying to milk motorhead. We're trying to prolong motorhead with, mm-hmm. We're giving out new new stuff like live records, live DVDs. And, you know, there's really not any money in this, you know. Mm. It's just to keep Motorhead alive, if you will, and prolonging the, the, the trademark of Motorhead and the music and the legend of Motorhead. That's, that's why we're doing this. We, we could just have broken off, but... It seems like we're not allowed to do that for our fans. They want us around in some way, shape, or form, you know. And mm-hmm. and I agree. I, I really do. So I feel proud that we can continue dragging Motorhead along, you know, because that band really deserves another 50 years in the spotlight, you know. Absolutely. Let, 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 let's get into a little bit more uh, Motorhead and Lemmy. Um, obviously, I'm a bass player. Huge inspiration Lemmy was I was uh gonna do a gumball rally in 2008 he was supposed to be on it with me and the fuel girls and I don't remember what happened where we, we didn't meet up in LA at that point but uh I was really I was really jazzed so I just I want to ask you what was the first time and what was your first memory of meeting Lemmy <laughs> that was uh a long time ago mm-hmm uh, when Lemmy passed away, we'd known each other for 34 years. So I met him at a bar in London. 
um, and I can't remember the name of the bar right now, but he, he used to go there all the time. And we were there a Is bunch the of Swedes. Maybe? Been the no, bunch, not the crowbar. No, it wasn't. It was. Uh, oh, I can't remember it. But anyway, we'll find we were down there, and I, I said, I said hi to Lemmy, and uh, of course he said hi, but he had no idea who I was, <laughs> and we didn't talk very much. But that was the actual first time that that we met. But he didn't remember that. I was just another dude, you know, hanging out yeah. over his shoulder, going, <laughs> "Hey." But it must have been, yeah. I don't. I don't even know the year, but eighty-two, yeah, maybe eighty-one, eighty-two. Yeah, it was a long time ago. And, and, and so then you said, like, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, you were just like to him, probably at the time you were like uh, just another guy. Uh, you know, let me know. I'd been doing Motorhead, and then. So how did you guys actually come together? When did Lemmy come to you and said, Let, "Let's do this"? Well, I was touring with Motorhead with the band King Diamond. King Diamond, yes. Yeah, and that was, uh, we did a tour in Europe with Motorhead, and and I got, they had some problems with Filthy. He was playing on that tour, and uh, and let me ask me, you know, in a non-direct way, if I was interested, you know, in maybe to play with Motorhead, but I... I also, in non-direct way, turned him down because we, we were happy and we did really good with King Diamond. And I knew that I wasn't ready for this band, especially after that tour. I realized this is not just a band. This is a, an institution. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I needed to earn my stripes before I joined that kind of band. And, and uh, I was very happy with playing with King. And we were a bunch of friends and we did great. And... Uh, but we kept contact over the years, and, and Lemmy kept calling and sending postcards, and we kept contact, and uh, that was nice. And then at another point, he asked me again what I was doing, and uh, that was, we were also, I was also in King Diamond at that point, mm -hmm. and we were about to kick off, I think, the then tour in America, 1988, and uh, I couldn't jump this ship. Okay. And a third, a third time he asked me, not directly, but what are you doing, Mickey? And I said, well, we're going on tour with Dawkins. I, at that point, had left King, mm -hmm. and we had a 12-month tour with, with Don. There's Peter Baltus from Accept on bass, John Norum guitar, Billy White from Watchtower, Shit, all and John lineup. from Europe. Yeah, it was kind of an all-star lineup. And we had a 12-month touring ahead of us. And obviously, I had to to uh, say kind of, well, we're going on tour. But I barely made it back from that tour. And, and we spoke again. And he said, can you come to Hollywood and, and record a couple of songs? And I said, yeah, no problem. And then we started talking. And I said, the docking thing is kind of falling apart a little bit because everybody's going separate ways here. And he said, do you want to do the tour with us? We're going out with Ozzy. And I said, fuck yeah, let's do it. And uh, <laughs> oh, How much fun that's was that where... tour? Tell me, can you tell me a little bit about that first tour and how and, and 
What kind of shenanigans you guys got into? Well, it was a crazy tour. I'm telling you, we, we were on that tour for a while. It was, uh, it was the, uh, what's it called? That uh, the last tour he was gonna do. No more tears. No more tears. Yeah. Okay. And then we we stepped from that tour to Guns N' Roses Metallica Stadium tour and did some shows with those guys. I'm so glad you brought that up because I was just with my oldest brother the other day and. My middle brother got to go to that show when it came through here in Southern California. My mother said I was too young, and I was fucking to this day. I'm fucking pissed because I I, I well, that that, up and I wanted so badly to go to that fucking show. We did Coliseum and the Rose Bowl in yep. LA area. Oh, yeah. I'm very familiar. I I will never let my mom hear it down at this point. Well, you know, she was just a caring mom. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, anyway. After that, we were just basically uh, hooked up, and uh, it was so much fun. And I, I felt that I could make a difference in the band. You know, I added something to the to the boys, and they added to me as well because the different music styles I've been going through. I felt I belong in the heavier division, mm -hmm. and uh, it didn't get much heavier than that, basically. And uh, Such nice camaraderie with Versal and Phil and Lemmy and me. We clicked perfect. And and it's very important for me to feel that I can make a difference in, in this band. I'm not just a background drummer. Hey, just sit there and play and shut up. You know, it's I, I wanted to be involved. And and Lemmy was such a great guy. He, he pushed us always. Mm -hmm. He did not want to be in the spotlight alone. Uh, even if he was, let me motorhead. He was the boss, of course, mm -hmm. but he wanted us to be a front person on each position, if you will. And uh, like interviews, if they asked for let me, said no. I, it's me. It's the band or nothing. You know. That's great. And and that's what I believe made motorhead to such a strong unity that. You really felt that Lemmy backed you up because a lot of journalists, they didn't give a shit about, but maybe me, new guy, come in, you know, uh, looking like a, a fucking, you know, I should have played with uh, some glam band or something, you know. And But Lemmy was always pushing us. No, 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 it's the band or, or nothing. And yeah. and. That's the type of guy he was. He wanted everybody to be comfortable and absolutely their best, best on each position. So he was never pushing anybody down because you took too much space or he was just enjoying the more fame anybody could actually or success that we could reach, you know. Yeah. And the more and 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 obviously It, it's a it's a great model because you know the the better you guys do the bigger everything you're all better together right we all pulled in one direction basically and, and that's what's so important you know mm -hmm. so you mentioned uh, uh, your, your time with king diamond before this and uh, legendary band and you mentioned that you guys were friends how did, how did where did you guys start king diamond together in denmark i played with a band called geisha We were half Swedish, half Danish. 
and we were kind of based up here in Gothenburg, Sweden. But me and the guitar player, Pete Black, which joined King Diamond 88, I, we called him in. Uh, we moved to Copenhagen with and start collaborating with this band, Geisha. Mm -hmm. And at that time, we got really good friends with Timmy Hansen, the bass player in Merciful Fate, Michael Denner and King and, uh, and uh, you know, Hank Sherman. Uh, actually, the Merciful Faith guys. Mm -hmm. And then they came to me and said that they're going to split up. And King and Timmy and Michael are going to form King Diamond. And would you like to play drums there? And, and I said, absolutely, yes. And then I called in Andy LaRock, uh, which still is in the band, you know. So uh, that's how we started. We became really good friends in Copenhagen, and hanging out, drinking, and did having you, did fun. You guys, did you guys hang out at uh, uh, Tivoli, uh, the Tivoli uh, Circus? Tivoli? Nah. Well, that's a, an amusement park. But <laughs> we were hanging out. We were hanging out in the bars. <laughs> the bars right outside, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. I like Tivoli. No, we I, like, I, I've, I've, I've had a couple birthdays out there, and. Uh, it's, it, it is an amusement park, but there's a couple places where you're in the middle of November and it's fucking freezing ass cold, but you could go f in there and find like a gigantic fucking, it's not a pint, it's like a 32 ounce glass of beer. And I fucking absolutely love that place. Yeah, chugging it. No, it's a great city to be in and we, we, we enjoyed it tremendously. And then from there, we moved to US, to LA, you know. Our first uh, area was Canoga Park, actually. Okay. That's where we all live. And and then King moved to Dallas, and, and the kind of band uh, I left and joined Doc, and and, uh, and then the rest you know. Yeah. I mean, going through it, I mean, you played with so many people, and, of course, we already talked about the Scorpions now, too. I mean, where did you get your chops on everything? What, what, what was your inspiration to pick up the sticks for the first time? Well, the first, first time, I was just four years old or something, you know, but that was my uncle and my cousin because they play drums. And my uncle started a band out here in Sweden called The Drifters uh, in the 50s. So the they're obviously... A, there's a different there's yeah. a different Drifters, right? Yeah, yeah, not <laughs> what you have over there. But, but anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, they inspired me first because they play drums and I had a chance to bang on their stuff as a little boy. And, and, uh, and from there on, I just, and my cousin, which is a few years older than me, six years, he was into, you know, cream and Johnny winter and mm. hard rock more. And uh, that's where I got stuck with these guys big time. And, and that was it. You know, I saw deep purple first time when I was seven. What, so what, what what was your uh, uh your as a musician when you're learning the learning the craft you're you're transcribing a lot of things i know that from for myself i'm i'm transcribing les claypool i'm transcribing uh you name it bass players and for you who were you transcribing when you were growing up like who were you put on the you put on the record and you're like i need to learn how to play this like wh who was it for you well, the inspiration, obviously I couldn't play what, what I wanted to play, but 
Uh, most of all, it was Ian Pace in Deep Purple. Nice. He was my biggest, biggest hero. And, and then, you know, uh, John Bonham, of course. And, but later, uh, Neil Peart in Rush, Brian Downey in Lizzie, you know, Steve Smith in Journey. Uh, a, a lot of great uh, drummers at the time, you know, and mm -hmm. I, I was a huge, still am, huge fan of Blue Oyster Cult, you know, and uh, UFO. So wow, your name is I was very name. early listening to to the harder hard rock bands, you know, in the in the early mid and late seventies. That's where, and for a while, of course, I got some. When I grew a little older, I got some cover band type of gigs. They called, hey, call Mickey D. He sounds exactly like Ian Paste or Brian Downey. And, and that was great for a while. But yeah. after a while, I realized, look, I'm just a shitty version of my <laughs> idols. I better start practicing here. You know? I love that you, you know, say that because I feel that about myself all the time. But, I mean, you do a much better job than I do of, of, of impersonating my idols. Uh, you, 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 you named so many guys there, and every single one of them just had these iconic, gigantic-sounding drums. Like, I mean, like, like big sound. How do, you, how do you approach sound with your, with your drumming? Like, like, what's your kit? And, like, I mean, how big, how big is your kick drum? Is, is it a 24? What, what, do you do, what are you working with? No, uh, the only time I played 24s was with, with Don. Okay. With Dawkins. I've been playing 22s. I've played sonar drums, and I've played sonar my whole life. By coincidence, my first ever uh, drum kit was a sonar kit. I, I can show you a little picture here. Oh, I love that. Uh, if you follow me on, on Insta or Facebook... Mickey which, D is, official. which is just for everyone at home you can all follow mickey at mickey d official at and that's that's everywhere on your socials right yeah instagram and stuff and i i put out little videos and photos but here's one for instance i'm gonna see if you can see this <laughs> now yeah holy shit that was you that's me holy shit that and, is fucking uh, epic can you send that, that? Hey, that, Mickey? Can you can you send that to to us on the email so we can put it in there like a little bit more proper? But I love that. Right, I can see right. it. I just I want to see it. We can we can and, put it in a post a little bit better. Of course, that on Instagram. I mean, sorry, on uh, that was a Sonar kit, and I, I played Sonar. I have not been endorsed by Sonar my whole life, of course, but I've probably been with them now since 1980. Two, okay. And Paiste symbols. I was going to say you're, you're wearing the shirt right now, Paiste. Like great symbols. There you go. Oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> commercial, 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 commercial. And uh, <laughs> you know, and and uh, Vic Firth sticks and stuff. But but when you're talking about the sound, I was massively uh, impressed in the '70s. I was a big sucker for live records. Live records was my favorite to listen to, even more than studio albums, you know. Okay. So it, it, it just gave me something. And, uh, you know, Live in Dangerous, Made in Japan, 
uh, on your feet, on your knees with, with Blue Eyes Count, 76, I believe, or 77. And uh, Strangers in the Night, UFO, Gonzo, Ted Nugent, you know, Capture Journey, but that was like 80s, 81 or something. Oh, yeah. But, you know, that time was the live record and Rush, all the world at stage, and then exit stage left, uh, their live stuff. And when I then later would play in live myself, I, I I put a lot of effort into great drum sound, you know. Uh, every drummer does that, of course. But yeah. you learn little bits and bobs and tricks. And I believe Sonar has been the absolute best drum kit to play for me because they're not the easiest drums to play because – in the 80s, they were very, very heavy, a lot of the stuff we played. Very thick shells. And Does that mean you, you have to bang to really on it? Would that would mean you have to bang on it a little harder? Or, or Very hard. Okay. And, and a lot of, lot of lighter drummers, they, they, they didn't really like that because you didn't get much response out of them, you know? Mm-hmm. They were very heavy and solid. But once you hit them hard, they sounded like small bass drums each every drum you know and and uh i really like that i mean so you, i remember so you like to hit shit. when i joined you like to sorry? hit shit i hit shit very hard <laughs> because being a drummer it's a hitting instrument you know and it's not sitting there cooking minestrone soup you know what i mean it's like <laughs> breaking a, a little piece of sweat after 30 minutes uh, on your eyebrow you know i'm soaked after one song you know? i i love watching that like with the so we have a bunch of pyro and shit and like we've had a couple of different drummers uh after the rev passed but even with the rev like there's pyro all around him and we have to like blow air conditioning at our drummers because it's like you're at, to your point it's fucking soaked. Like you guys are, you guys are doing a marathon, or the rest of us are. I, I could have a drink while I'm playing, like no problem. I, I know, <laughs> and we can never fuck up either. You know. Oh no, I, no, because if you fuck up, the whole thing goes down. Yeah, yeah. No, but for me, it was very important to be, to be hitting hard, being, uh, uh, what would you call it? Uh, you'd be really firm on what what you were doing. You know. Mm-hmm. It's like being a hockey goalie or if if the goalie plays great, the rest of the team is very confident, you know. They can trust the guy back there. Yeah. If the go- goalie is a little shaky, the team doesn't play very well because they, they, they don't really trust the guy in the net back there. And I feel the same as a drummer. I got to be so solid and distinct. And I can't just sit and you know, tap away. I, I got to show them that I'm here to really fucking go all the way and I'm going to lead the way and I'm going to take control and I'm going to be in charge. And you do that with your body language and with your way to play. And, and that gives your band member a confidence, I believe, that they, they yeah, Mickey knows what he's doing. He's not going to fall out or miss this or do that or what the hell did he do there? You know, mm-hmm. it has to be very solid, distinct decisions on the drums, and that will create a, a nice, calm 
deal and it's easy for your bandmates to really lock into you and to catch your feelings. So that's kind of how I, from the beginning, felt that I'm I'm not a fucking minestrone chef, you know what I mean? <laughs> Cooking soup and all the drums are very comfortably set up, you know. Uh, it's supposed to hurt when you play drums. Uh, and and for me, it's very important when I hit that. I'm going to tell Brooks this, been, by the way. It, it needs to be. He needs sorry? To hit a little, uh, Brooks, our drummer. It, it's supposed to hurt when you drum. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look back at him right. next time we get back on the stage. I'm just going to go, it's supposed to hurt when you play. Yeah, it does. But the same thing goes with your angles when you play, you know. Mm -hmm. I work very hard with having the right angles, keeping my shoulders. My drums keep me sitting up instead of like a, you know, like a fucking Z, you know, or and and shoulders down. You have to sit up. You, and you, as you're talking about it, I'm like, let me fix my posture real quick. Let me, let me, <laughs> yeah. uh, let me get back into it. <laughs> Well, you know what I mean. If you're going to do 200 shows a year, it's very important that you play the right way. It's like, or, or you will catch problems with your with your joints and back problem and shoulder problems have you, have and you wrist any, problems. Have you had issues with uh, uh, like carpal tunnel or or just like the the forearms tightening up? Yeah, they tighten up, but I know what to do when that happens. But no, not knock on wood, but no. Nothing, nothing major. I mean, yes, I had tours where I felt that I could have a little bit of pain in somewhere, but I have to figure that out very, very quick. Maybe the Hyatt was half an inch too high or too low. Okay, that can that could be a disaster for me, or the ride symbol, or I like to really stretch out when I'm playing. You know, to hit from above, not from within, you know. Okay. Uh, my toms are fairly angled up. So it forced me to hit from above. And, of course, I'm not that kind of a fast drummer. You look at some of these studio cats that have the drums more correctly set up uh, to be able to do play everything on them. Yes, that works for these guys, but for me, I, I like to to maybe play less and play harder and hit it the right way for me to be able to do two hundred shows a year. Mm -hmm. well, that's, that's interesting. That's, you say that you say like the right way versus your way. It's like it's so funny because you're selling yourself short a little. Bit. Not so much as for me, I I feel the same way. It's like uh, you know. I'm not the greatest bass player that's ever lived or anything like that, but I work for Avenged Sevenfold. That's 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 where I, that's where I, right. I get it done. Could I go somewhere else? Probably not. I think this is the only gig I got. <laughs> no, but you'd be surprised. I mean, for me, it's been a lot of people ask me this actually. But if you take King Diamond, Doc, and Motorhead, now Scorpions. They have they have come in in the right time in my life and where I for instance by the end of King Diamond I felt as a very narrow drummer because all I could do was all this stuff I, I felt a lot of stress and backbeats and technical drum fills and 
ripping apart certain songs I felt at the time. Because when we moved out to California, I started jamming with, with if you will call them regular musicians, more rocking out, you know, playing, jamming cover songs of Zeppelin and, and Deep Purple again. And, you know, uh, and I felt stressed and I felt that my meter wasn't where it's supposed to be. And uh, I wanted to become wider. And uh, the docking thing was the perfect thing for me to to step from King Diamond with. I, I learned a lot how to just sit and rock out. And uh, and then after a few years with Don, I felt that this is great, but I do belong in the heavier division. Mm-hmm. I am a heavier drummer. And then suddenly again, Motorhead was the right time for to to join you know and uh, after 25 years with motorhead there's no secret that we felt in the end maybe we wanted to do something else mm-hmm. either do a solo record or or be inspired with something else because with motorhead we had a very tight frame to work within which was motorhead and uh, sometime me and Phil could write some music and let me come in and go what the hell do you want me to sing to that? That song is more aimed to rush, you know. We're not rush, we motorhead, you know. <laughs> uh, and he was totally right by that, you know. Maybe we took off a little too much out of the framework of being motorhead. Did you did you ever when you guys are writing that though? Was there ever a reining it back and like maybe taking that project and or that song, whatever it is, that riff? Maybe it is too proggy. Maybe it is too rush. How do we bring it back to uh, Motorhead or did it just start from scratch again? Basically, because when we wrote and being a little over creative, uh, it was great riffs, but that song was meant for something else, basically. Sometimes I'm sure we took a riff and changed it a little bit and Mm. made it more Motorhead. And, you know, when Lemmy put his bass on and start cranking it, I thought pretty much every song sounded Motorhead. Once it goes through the Lemmy filter, it's all fucking Motorhead. <laughs> he, he motorized it big time, you know. Motorized right away, it. So. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we did, we did a few songs that are very different, like Sacrifice mm-hmm. that I wrote, basically. And uh, that's not a typical Motorhead song. No. Tragedy is not a typical song. We we made, a, I would say, at least 10, 15 songs that were not very typical Motorhead. And uh, that was great. Lemmy loved it, you know, and we loved it. And uh, But sometimes I have to say that personally, I walked out a little too much in one direction, both me and Phil maybe sometimes, and, and we just had to come back. And after 25 years with that, and then joined Scorpions, it was like, it's it's just perfect. Because I can use my power in Scorpions, and I can rock out, and I can yeah. also add some of my experience, everything from the old King Diamond to Motorhead, to, to give them an extra push, and to take the band to 11, if you will. You know, that's yeah. that's what I like to do. I love that. And I love that you're talking about the Scorpions and how heavy hitting. Of course, everyone knows the song Rocky Like a Hurricane. I mean, 
you're you're in the band now. I mean, they they did this before you, and now you back to your slamming the drums on it. Like uh, you guys have probably have you rehearsed that song? You guys played that song? Have you been in there where where you're just slamming this shit out of? Da, 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 da. I mean, like what what what. what What's that song like versus some of the other songs for you? Is that hard? Well, you know, it it's one of these songs to have in your in your sleeve. You know, like we had Ace of Spades. Yeah. Well, with, with Motorhead, I we did almost five thousand shows together, sure. and uh, obviously a few of those could be a little slower. You know, and maybe we didn't get the right response or. There's not many of those, but every time we played Ace of Spades, the house went nuts. That's the big pop, as they say. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, make sure you're subscribed and leave us a five-star review. If you want to listen to this show ad-free, head over to drinkswithjohnny.com and become a premium member. You'll get to enjoy unreleased clips from your favorite guests, discounts on merchandise in our shop, and access to our private Discord server where you can chat one-on-one with Johnny Christ himself. Awesome! So stay tuned, stay thirsty, and stay filthy as fuck. And and the same goes, Scorpion has so many hits, that, but that's just one of them, and mm. we've been finishing the set with, with Hurricane, and of course you know what's going to happen, you know, once Rudolf Matthias starts off the riff, uh, people go crazy in the hall, you know. So, so it's always good to have a great song like that. Like Lemmy used to say, he was so happy that he wrote Ace of Spades, and it's such a good song that he stuck to the rest of his career. He said, can you imagine these bands that wrote a shit song that became the biggest hit? Uh, <laughs> and, we had, uh, and, and now we got to go out and play it every fucking night <laughs> right and it's actually a pretty shitty song you know yeah that that became a hit because of the right time or right tv series or whatever you know no it, it's a, it's a it. very valid point there's a lot of circumstantial shit that goes into that exactly. can often go into uh, a hit you know everyone Everyone likes to ask the question, well, what about this one hit wonder? What about this? It's like, no, that, but listen, they were still musicians. Like, listen to the rest of their catalog and base it off of that. Don't base it off of the one song that hit at the right time and the music video had some fucking whatever, big, you know, big gimmicks. Uh, no, he, he was totally right there. And, and, and I think that was great, you know, and, of course, Ace of Spades, you, you could be tired of playing that, especially if you have five shows in a row. I mean, you know, uh, you knew kind of Ace. Do you guys do a Ace lot of back-to-backs? Never- do you guys do a lot of back-to-backs? When you said five shows in a row, you did a lot of back-to-backs, huh? When we were young bucks, we did, you know. But <laughs> even in the end, in the end with Motorhead, and even when Lemmy being a little sick, we, we could do three shows in a row, one day off, which always was a travel day, so it wasn't a day off. It's not really, yeah. And then two, and then travel, and three, travel, two, and three. But in the end there, you know, so Motorhead was always on the road and doing, we enjoyed playing more song, more shows during the week than being off, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
But to have these songs is is great, you know. Scorpions wrote some fantastic uh, hits, and and it's great to have them in the set, you know. No, absolutely. You get you you get that big jump. Um, you just mentioned though traveling and travel days. A lot of people who are listening to the show have not have they're not on the side that we've been on of what a travel day looks like. <laughs> I want to know what a travel day. I mean, I know what it looks like in the nineties and two thousands. What did a travel day look like for you guys in the eighties? Like, I mean, we were in a, I, I've been in the Econo van. I've, I've been out in, in Europe for my first time where we're facing each other in this little van and all the gears literally in the trunk behind it. But I mean, how was it for you guys? What I mean, take me through a little bit of, of your early travel days. Well, uh, my early travel days with a Swedish band and stuff, I mean, it's the same thing. You've been in vans and cars, and but when we really start touring properly, it was with King Diamond, obviously. We hired two uh, Southwind RVs. I'm not familiar with the Southwind. Oh, no, wait, actually, now, now you... Now, just, it just went across my head where I could see it on the side of the... Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, Southwind, gotcha. Right. We had two of those, one for the our crew, which was a very small crew, and then one for the for the five of us and our tour manager, Ole. And uh, that's how we toured. In 1988, we had uh, a real tour bus, the Green Machine. People said Beatles were, were traveling in that, so it was an old honker, really, but but it was it was the decker? first time it was a double decker. No, single. no. Okay, it was it was a single decker, and I don't remember. It must have been a Florida Eagle or or a Van Hole or something. But okay. it was definitely not a Prevost. It was an old honker, an old beater. But it was the first tour we did with a proper tour bus and a proper driver. With the with the RVs, we took turns driving this. I was just around ask, so US. How, how often? How I I was always the one because I was younger than everyone else. When when it came time to drinking and and uh, everyone's drinking, all right, Johnny, it's your turn to drive the van. Like <laughs> how often? How how often was your number called? I like to drive. I enjoy traveling through the night, and especially in US, I I miss it. Uh, I, I like to be on the road, you know. Driving in Europe uh, versus driving U.S. There's there's a difference, right? What what what, what do you prefer? Yeah, it's so different. It's so different. I mean, after a four month long tour in U.S., you miss Europe, and after you're done Europe for two two and a half months, you can't wait to get to U.S. So, yeah, real you know, it's the grass is always greener on the other side, right? <laughs> yeah, it's it's. Uh, that's how it is, I guess. Yeah, no, it, it's amazing. So you just turn on your light. So you're, uh, you're. Are you in Gothenburg right now? Right. Awesome, awesome. Uh, and how, yep. how are things going? Like, have you? Do you have any wind of uh, when shows are coming back and all that, all that fun noise that everyone else has asked you about? I'm sure. No, I, I, I don't because, as I said, Scorpion is such a huge huge yeah. party 
Scorpions, it's a big look. There's a big thing going on. And a lot of people, you know, kind of take that for granted when there's a big, big production band like that. They take it for granted. like, well, you know, I've been, I've been waiting for a show. Like, why don't you give me a show? I was like, well, give me a minute. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we've been off now. We managed to do Asia and Australia last year, January, February. And that's it, you know, and uh, we need to rehearse. We need to build another show maybe and i mean we just need to get going and, uh, and not, not not only yourself correct me if i'm wrong but not only you you guys in the band what about the the crew that needs to rehearse all that shit right i know i know it's it's such a big big process so uh they are as anxious as i am and but the thing is once it looks better suddenly then some other second or third fucking wave and there's more alarming. I mean, every other week is 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 uh, they change restrictions and oh, they're gonna ease up now. No, we're not. We're gonna prolong that. Okay, shit. Oh, well, now it, it looks like everything is looking the right direction. And then two weeks later, you're back in the shit. So nah. I I don't want to speculate in this. I, I I'm sitting here. I'm ready to go. Yeah. We all are ready to go when it's safe enough for people to come to shows and when we are allowed to play, basically. That's that's what the deal is. Yeah. No, I mean, and we're in the same boat, too. Um, but I wanted to ask, so you've been through so many bands that we've already talked about, um, and I just want to ask about, like, the, the marquees. Like, when you've seen the marquees, like you've, you, especially in Motorhead, it kind of uh, blurred some boundaries of some punk rock, some metal. Um, what was some of the funniest marquees you rolled up to where you're like, we're playing with this? Like that, that, that's, that's our, that's our marquee tonight. What do you mean? The, the level or, or. Oh no, no, no. Like, like, so, so for, for instance, for Adventure Sevenfold, we did like a lot of warp tours and we're kind of a, a heavy metal band, but there was, we played with a lot of punk rock bands. We played, you know, uh, all, all these different things. So, like, how different was? Yeah, yeah. Where, where was the some of your favorite crossover marquees? I guess. Well, you know, <laughs> there's been so many. You know, it's everything from absolute crazy, ridiculous bill we've been out to to fantastic bills. But you know, over so many years now touring internationally, it's. 37 years basically you know and uh i i i come across pretty much every single band uh bigger bands that that you can mention you know and uh most of them has been fantastic you know either just some one-off shows or actually small tours or bigger tours i mean uh i wish we toured with rainbow but we never did that mm. Uh, and we toured with 
I got to tour with with Cozy Powell before he died on the on the Heaven and Hell tour uh, ninety four. Okay. Or ninety five maybe it was when Cozy played with Black Sabbath or, or Heaven and Hell kind of deal. Yeah. And and it was a fantastic tour and playing with Deep Purple now. We just well, two years ago we did some shows, Mexico City, I mean, 150,000 people and, you know, Iron Maiden, Rock in Rio, you know, and yeah. but no, just great bands. Yeah, totally. Yeah, Judas yeah, I, Priest. You're naming, I mean, I know you've been on tour with all these bands. Some of the bands I've been on tour that have taken us under, under our wing. You mentioned Iron Maiden. Uh, you mentioned uh, uh, Metallica, all those guys, like, so oh, those Metallica, other drummers, yeah. like like Lars, like 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 uh, uh, Nico, like these are some really great drummers too in the genre. Do you guys ever rib it? Do you guys have like any times where you're ribbing each other while you're out on the road? Yeah, we hang out, you know. Uh, and and I forgot to mention, least but not last, Foo Fighters. I mean, Dave yeah, Grohl. Dave we Grohl, toured. Yeah. We had a fantastic tour with Motorhead and Dave Grohl. And we are such fans of, of Foo Fighters. And Dave just loves Motorhead and, and Lemmy, honestly. Yeah. So, uh, and we played London with Dave and we did Japan with Dave. And, you know, it's uh, so many great guys. I mean, 99.9% .9 of these bands and people are just fantastic. And then, once in a while, you run into a fucking dumbass, you know. <laughs> like right now? <laughs> Not like right now. <laughs> no, you're okay. <laughs> I'm okay. Okay. All right. Well, I, I just I, I'm I've taken enough of your time. I just gotta ask one last thing: Is there a story from Lemmy that you would like to share to the listeners, the fans? I'm sure you get that all the time, but maybe there's a maybe there's a, a one you haven't told before. There's so many. Mm -hmm. Like Lemmy used to say, look, we're like Spinal Tap with no script. You know what I mean? <laughs> because it hap stuff happened for us all the time. Most of it was fun thinking back to it, but sometimes we, we end up at, at, in, in situations that were hard to solve. But it was all good, of course, there's so many that you're putting me on the spot there. Because I'm trying to. I'm trying. I'm, 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 I'm putting my best journalist hat on right here. <laughs> well, you know, it's with Lemmy. It was, he was such a fantastic man in so many ways, shapes and forms that every day with, with this guy was, was a pleasure because he was such a uh, honest and real guy you know what I mean uh, that you learn so much from a person like him uh, he, he was so intelligent and well educated if you will he was street smart the most street smart person I ever met ever I mean he knew he knew a little bit about everything basically uh, and that's that's yeah. a, a great quality to have yeah. because you 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 can talk and interact with everyone. <laughs>
uh, which was very, very impressive. No, that's, I mean, that's amazing right there. Um, man, rest in peace. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to take a little Hill Rock shot to uh, Lemmy right here for all you guys yeah, at home. cheers. Again, follow Mickey D at Mickey D Official. Go over to Motorhead Scorpions. Maybe we'll get to see you on the on the road here sometime very soon. I really appreciate the time, brother. I know it was a little hard getting us together with the uh, technical difficulties. <laughs> <laughs> but I appreciate it. Yeah, I hope you enjoy. Yeah, thank you. I hope you enjoy this and uh, that it becomes a... Uh, how do you like the packaging, by the way? Oh, I the packaging was amazing. I, I, got, I, it I looks opened great. it up. I got a nice little reveal. The box, everyone, you got to go check out this Hill Rock. Motorhead, fucking whiskey. It's delicious, and I mean the the box the box says it all. I mean the box is fucking rad. The box says it all. <laughs> <laughs> Great. I appreciate yeah, I you we, so much I, again, Mickey. It was so much fun talking to you. I really hope we can do this again in person. Hopefully soon, I'll come out, see you guys, and and have a good time. And maybe throw throw a couple back with you. Absolutely. Cheers. I hope we can uh, get back on the road here every band in the world now we need to go and see rock shows and to be touring and start interacting again you know i'm missing it so much but yeah. i'm sure we will soon enough soon enough in in person everyone cheers thank you again mickey cheers later that'll just about do it for this week's episode of drinks with johnny thanks to mickey d for being on the show thanks to you guys for being here make sure you subscribe do all those wonderful things. You know everyone else tells you how to do it. Get the rating review. Do all that stuff. If you want to see the video for this, which I actually haven't seen at this point yet, um, you can head over to uh, YouTube at uh, Drinks with Johnny. And we do a little premiere every Monday uh, where I'll be in that live chat there. So um, if you're listening to this very early and you want to hop in on the live chat and see what the video is all about, that's something you can do and I will be right there for you. Um, but any, either way you enjoy drinks with Johnny is great with me. Appreciate you guys having a lot of fun with this fucking show. This was a rad conversation. I didn't even expect to happen talking to Mickey D like, I mean, come on drummer from motorhead now playing the scorpions. Like this is uh this is a really cool thing for me guys. So, uh, really appreciate you. Um, so I guess that's kind of it. I, I don't really have a lot to tell you guys this week. I just really appreciate you, and uh, until next time, as always, cheers. What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living, and every week I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others, photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy, and I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same. So if that sounds cool, you can listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com, and I'll see you there. Hi, I'm Daniela Clark. I'm Barbara Ann Wild. And we are The Honest AF Show. Our podcast is real, honest conversation with our celebrity friends and pros. Covering our anything but average rock and roll lifestyles. All while tackling the hell that is aging and the battle of beauty. Oh yeah, nothing is off the table. The Honest AF Show is available wherever you get your podcasts.